Welcome to the Intersection of Faith and the Culture. Thanks so much for joining us today on this Good News Friday. You can learn more about Wall Builders at our two websites, wallbuilders.com and wallbuilderslive.com. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution coach and a former Texas legislator. I have the privilege of serving here with David and Tim Barton. The Bartons have the largest private collection of Founding Fathers documents in the world right there in Alito, Texas. Just really, really cool stuff. And of course, they've been doing wall builders now for, well, should I say how long? Three decades nearly since David Barton and Cheryl Barton started this. And it's had a huge impact in a positive way on our nation, bringing truth back, actually studying history, actually falling in love with history. I know I hated history growing up, but now I love it because of David Barton's old cassette tapes. Yeah, I'm that old. Anyway, so David and Tim, honored to be here with them. David's America's premier historian and our founder at Wall Builders, Tim Barton, national speaker and president of Wall Builders, and, um, and, and just, a, just a, you know, a Joshua Caleb-style approach to what's going on in the world. So the reason we do these Good News Fridays, give you a little pickup, give you a little uh, positive news of what's been happening out there, and don't let all the negative stuff get you down. All right, guys, looking for some good news this week. I've been I've been watching the news and haven't seen a lot of good news, so I'm hoping that you guys have dug a lot deeper and found some good news to share with our audience today. David, where do you want to start? It is a really good thing you tuned into the Wall Builder Show on Friday because we That's have right. exactly what you've been looking for all week, brother. So we've I'm got some I good news. <laughs> now, it, it is sometimes it appears to be selective because there were elections a few weeks ago in places like Virginia and Kentucky and and other places like that, and so. Overall, it was not a good night for conservatives in, in Virginia. Um, there, there were some things that weren't great. Now, you're saying uh, selective information. I'm just curious, did Ronna McDaniel know there were elections? Uh, <laughs> oh, 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 I don't know. Uh, I'm just curious. So, okay. I, and, not, and, and, now, by the so, way, for those that don't know, Ronna McDaniel is the head of the Republican National uh, Committee. So the Republican Party at the national level, who was a no-show and and failed to even show up at the plate for bats in, in most of these states. It's just they did absolutely nothing in what could have been some real close races in Virginia and in Kentucky elsewhere. Uh, Tim, that's a great question. I don't know if anybody told her that there was an election coming. It, she she may have missed that totally because uh, she sure acted like that. So within a lot of of really close losses in those states, there was some really good wins, and, and both of them dealt with a defeat of Soros-backed candidates where Soros had put money into them. Uh, Loudoun County, Virginia, where so much started three, three and a half years ago with all the stuff that went to school board and Loudoun County, all, I think they either had eight or nine candidates up for election this time and they lost every single one of them. So Loudoun County, there was not a change in their school board as woke and as crazy as that was for the last three years. But Loudoun County definitely got most of the nation moving in other places. And so you saw school board changes going from you know, Louisiana to, to Michigan, from Florida to, to Oregon, Eastern Oregon, et cetera. There was good changes. But in Loudoun County, there was a Soros prosecutor. And, and Soros, George Soros is the, I don't know, how do you describe George Soros? He's, he's kind of evil incarnate. Um, you know, he was, his family was involved in the Holocaust. And as a young boy, he was involved in the Holocaust, turning Jews in. Um, to the Nazis. And, and there's just some bad stuff going back. And, and he lived through a lot of that. But he's still a very wicked, evil person today, if you judge by what we consider to be basic ethical, moral, biblical standards. He's on the wrong side of, of most issues. 
And he's put so much money, so many billions. He's pledged up to $17 billion to basically overthrow the politics of America. And he's put so much of that into what we would call down ballot races. And he did that for secretaries of state. He did that with uh, attorney generals. He did that with other things that people weren't watching. He got so many of his guys elected that started changing the direction of states. And so he was doing that with prosecutors, never going in, not prosecuting crime. They were everything you would want from a prosecutor. They did the opposite. They were releasing criminals and, and and not prosecuting. So what's happened is that's blown up on them in so many places. It's blown up in New York and in Chicago and in San Francisco and Austin, all these places where crime is soared and people are pushing back in uh, St. Louis, et cetera. And Loudoun County was one of those. And so in Loudoun County, the, the wind that stood out was they got rid of their Soros-backed DA. They got tired of the high crime, the increasing crime, the the complete disdain of the cops. These source-backed DAs don't like the cops and, and don't want to prosecute what, what the cops bring them criminals. And the other one that, that was with that also happened up in Pennsylvania. And in Pennsylvania, Allegheny County, which is Pittsburgh. So I think I guess Pittsburgh is the second largest city up there. Is it, is it Philadelphia and then Pittsburgh probably? I think so, yeah. Yeah, both of them are very blue cities. Pittsburgh is more your blue-collar city. Yeah. Philadelphia is more of the white collar Democrats and 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 more of the blue collar Democrats in, in Pittsburgh. But Pittsburgh had a Democrat district attorney who had been there for a couple decades, 23 years and had been tough on crime, had really been what you want from a prosecutor, prosecuting criminals, backing the police, saying the police need more funding, not less, all, all the right things. And in the Democrat primary, a Soros-backed candidate came in and beat this tough-on-crime Democrat. And so they Soros put about 700000 in, into the primary there in Pittsburgh. And see, that's where Soros is pouring massive amounts of money in these local races and making a big difference. And so now what you have on the ballot in a Democrat city is a very liberal, progressive Democrat DA. And that's the, that's the only choice you've got as a Democrat in that city is a Soros-backed DA. Well, the Republicans in, in Pittsburgh, to their credit, reached out and got, got the defeated Democrat DA and said, hey, why don't you run as a Republican? We'd love to have you as a Republican. And he did. He jumped over and ran as a Republican and beat the Soros-backed DA. So in a Democrat city, the Republican candidate for DA, who was the former Democrat DA, beat the Soros-backed DA. And so the good news is that, that Pennsylvania and Loudoun County have some good, tough-on-crime kind of DAs there to replace the soft-on-crime DAs that they had from Soros. So those are two good stories that came out of election night that are good victories, especially for the people who live in those jurisdictions who have to face the, the crime and the lack of prosecution that goes with, with those kind of DAs. Yeah, and remember we uh, we also talked about some other uh, DAs a few weeks back before that election. Uh, the one that you know finally uh, was was uh, removed in in uh, Nueces County, which is Corpus Christi, Texas, and a couple others. Uh, we had a guest a couple of weeks ago from from Heritage talking about that. And so you know, Lord willing, we'll get more and more good news there. Uh, David, you've talked about the verse a lot. In fact, I think you talk about it in Constitutional Live out of Isaiah that will you know I'll give you lawyers at the beginning, judges at the first, and then you'll be the righteous city. We we know the justice system has to be restored to biblical justice, not social justice. Um, otherwise, you know, the republic won't survive. And so this is very, very important for us to uh, see these areas, see good news in these areas. So thankful for those two, uh, for sure. Tim, all right, man, how about you? What's your good news today? First good news today. Uh, this one is going to, to Congress and specifically an issue of moral clarity where there should not have been confusion. And yet when you have a, a battling worldview of basic humanity, good and evil, uh, the Bible versus uh, whatever kind of Quran, Sharia, whatever else there might be, 
Uh, this article headlines as House censors rep Rashida Tlaib over defense of Hamas and calls to destroy Israel. Uh, th- this is something that many of us sat back and just thought that obviously we understand in America, there's a First Amendment where you have the freedom to say things. But the freedom to say things does not remove responsibility from you to maybe say honest or truthful things or maybe to have a moral compass or code of some kind. But when Hamas did their terror attacks, there are are, are several uh, individuals that are, are are known on the squad, uh, whether it's uh, Ilhan Omar or, Rep, or Rashida Tlaib or uh, Ocasio-Cortez, uh, several individuals that are kind of known for their pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian, pro Muslim, and really more specifically, maybe anti-American, anti-Israel views. And there was a move in the House. Uh, there was a, a rep from Georgia. His name was Rich McCormick, who uh, is the one that led uh, the the motion to censor Rashida Tlaib for defending Hamas's October 7th terror attack against Israel, uh, citing it as resistance, and she called for the destruction of the Jewish state. Uh, the vote went through. The resolution passed 234 to 188, which means that there actually were many Democrats that voted in favor of this as well. 22 Democrats voted with 212 Republicans to censor Tlaib, and four Republicans voted with 184 Democrats against the resolution. So it, there, this article is actually several pages. So it goes into a lot of what she said and what members of Congress are thinking or how they responded to what's going on, because as we might imagine... A lot of Democrat reps came to her defense and said, "What you know? What just happened? It's 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 just political and it's immoral and unethical and all these words they will flippantly throw around without actually understanding their meaning or applying them in a correct way." But one of the things Rashida Tlaib, several things she tweeted. One of them, uh, she identified in great irony in my mind. She said, "From the river to the sea is an aspirational call for freedom." And for those that don't know, part of the Palestinian call is saying from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea, uh, and, and Israel's between those. Israel is the land between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea, but part of this Palestinian call is from the river to the sea, uh, Palestine should be free. And what she said is that it's a call for freedom, for human rights, for peaceful coexistence. Now, there can be coexistence if you're saying Israel shouldn't exist, but that's what she says. She said it's not death or destruction or hate, my work and advocacy is always centered in justice and dignity for all people, no matter faith or ethnicity, which of course is not the position she's holding. But that was her response after she was censored and uh, her trying to defend herself. As people pointed out, uh, she actually had a post on uh, formerly what was Twitter, uh, where she was identifying how evil Israel was with what they're doing to Gaza and how they bombed a hospital, even though they didn't. And even the Biden administration came out and said the intelligence we have indicates this was not Israel. It was actually a mosque firing a rocket and it, it, it landed uh, in their own zone and, and then come to find out more that it actually didn't even blow up the hospital, landed in the parking lot. And yet she did not change her narrative. So uh, all that to say, she said a lot of things that were untrue, that were immoral, that certainly were not in the, the realm of nonviolence and coexistence as she was advocating. But the good news is there was enough moral clarity from members of Congress to say this is bad and shouldn't be done. And she actually now is a part of history because she's only the 26th member of Congress to ever be censored 
in the history of our nation in Congress. So that puts her in a pretty elite category uh, to be censored. But it is good news that somebody in Congress had the moral clarity to recognize that what Hamas was doing is not morally equivalent to Israel saying that terrorists are bad guys and shouldn't uh, get away with doing bad things. So good news that she is held accountable to some extent. I mean, a censor is is not removing her from Congress, right? She doesn't have uh, a a inability to perform her duties in Congress. She's still there, but it's a recognition that this position was incredibly wrong, which is good news. All right, more good news when we come back. Stay with us, folks. You're listening to Wobblers. This is Tim Barton from Wall Builders with another moment from American history. The Reverend James Caldwell was a famous minister during the American War for Independence. His sermons taught liberty and God's opposition to tyranny. The British hated him and tried to kill him. So for his own protection, he would actually take loaded pistols with him into the pulpit and lay them beside his Bible as he preached. In the 1780 Battle of Springfield, the Americans ran out of wadding for their guns, which was like having no ammunition. Pastor Caldwell ran inside a nearby church and returned with an armload of Watts hymnals, the pages of which would provide the much-needed wadding. He took this great Bible-based hymnal, raised it in the air, and shouted to the troops, Now put Watts into them, boys! This pastor's ingenuity saved the day for the Americans. For more information on Pastor James Caldwell and other colonial patriots, go to wallbuilders.com. We're back with David and Tim now to get some more good news on our Good News Friday. I'm curious, guys, are you surprised by, on one hand, we know the anti-Israel sentiment that's been taught on the universities for so long, and we see that in the marches and the in the pro-Palestinian stuff and pro-Hamas stuff that's going on. And you would think there would be more of that, actually, in Congress based on what's been going on in the streets of America and the colleges of America for so long. And yet, you know, we've got the, the Democrats are really, they're at war with each other over this because a lot of them do are are supporting Israel, you know, the Biden administration for the most part, at least publicly is. Um, we had this massive rally a few days ago with, what, 200,000 or more, or might have been, been way more than that, uh, for Israel. And, uh, and, and and a lot of speakers at that rally from Congress, including, you know, Democrats that went over and spoke. So I was just curious if you guys felt like the level of support, at least public support, is, um, you know, from Washington, D.C., is better than what you would would have thought. Yeah, I think it's actually pretty close to what I would expect. Uh, from my side. Now, Dad, you might have a different perspective, but it, it doesn't surprise me that there are Democrat members of Congress that are, are pro-Israel on some level. It doesn't mean they agree with their policies and uh, even have the same position that we might have from a Christian, biblical, conservative point of view. But it's also worth noting that there's been reports coming out that there are hundreds of people that are part of the Biden White House administration that are talking about leaving working for Biden over his position of standing with Israel. I think it's incredibly short-sighted for those people that are are saying Biden should turn his back on Israel and it should tell Israel cease fire. And if, if you continue this quote-unquote war that you started, then uh, America's not going to fund you. All these things that people on the left are suggesting uh, needs to be the course of action. It really is short-sighted. If, if America and Israel cease to be allies, America will have no friends in any of that region and then that region it, it can continue to be the breeding ground for terrorism it's been for so long with some of those Muslim nations around that general area and region. 
And uh, America will not have an easy access point if we ever have to respond to some of the evil and terrors that go on. It's also worth going even further to point out that when you look at at Gaza specifically, or the Palestinians, as people might argue, that there's approximately 40 Muslim nations in the general region, Middle East, Africa-ish area, and, and none of them are taking Palestinian refugees. Why? Because if you go back to the 1970s, every single nation that took Palestinian refugees dealt with some level of a civil war that was largely instigated by the Palestinian refugees they had taken back in the 1970s. And those nations virtually said from that point forward, we're not going to help with the Palestinians because they're not just seeking freedom. They want to do their own thing. That Those nations, those Muslim nations, they're not sending them aid or help. And it, all that, again, just giving context that it, it's not surprising to me that some Democrats are intellectually competent enough to recognize the reality of the situation. But I'm also not surprised that there are some very vocal Democrats that are very anti-Israel. Uh, and so to me, this is kind of the split I, I generally would have expected, although I am a little surprised how well the Biden administration has done standing by Israel to this point. I'll point out one more observation that I would make here, and it goes to a, a passing comment you made, Rick, but I think you'll also find a very clear divide generationally. Notice that it's the squad. It's the younger guys who are very anti-Israel, and it's the older Democrats who are still pro-Israel. And the speakers at the rallies tend to be along that generational divide, which says a whole lot about what schools have been teaching. We mentioned a couple weeks ago that there are 1,100 campuses a year, college campuses a year, that hold anti-Israel events every year. This has been going on for a good while. And so you're seeing it now show up. And and to the, even though we're going to break, Rick, I'm going to throw one more story in because this is what <laughs> we're talking about. This is a story out of New York City. And so in New York City, a Jewish owner of a coffee shop in New York City, his entire staff walked off the job. All of his baristas walked off when he put up an Israeli flag and put out a jar raising money for the Israeli Red Cross. When he did that, everyone, and they were all young, they were all like 25 and under, and, and he said, our staff was young. They think they know everything. They're liberal. They're college educated. I tried to reason with the staffers and discuss their issues like grown adults, but instead they all bolted. And so here's a 25-year-old who has a coffee shop in New York City and nobody working there for him. Well, word got out, moved, moved out on, on social media, and suddenly all these community folks start coming in saying, hey, I'll, I'll help you make coffee. Tell me what to do. And, and so before long, he had, he had 70 folks lined up on the sidewalk outside the shop going around the block almost. And all these neighborhood community people in working, doing all they could to help. Um, Jewish rabbis, Jewish doctors started coming to the shop. They're encouraging people come in the door, buy a gift card, buy, buy menu items, spend some money here. So it was really good to see, even in a city like New York City, a very liberal, progressive city, that the people still recognized Israel. And again, it was the young people that bolted and said, hey, the, the Israel, they're in a genocide and, and their colonialism. And, you know, he said they didn't even know how to define those words. They were th they were throwing those words at me and didn't even know what they meant. But this goes back to education, which goes back. I, what you're seeing here, I think, is a generational difference of education and what's happening in, in modern American education is showing up in this anti-Israel movement. All right, guys, quick break. We'll be right back. We've got more good news for you folks. Stay with us. You're listening to Wall Builders. Hey, this is Tim Barton with Wall Builders. And as you've had the opportunity to listen to Wall Builders Live, you've probably heard the wealth of information about our nation. 
about our spiritual heritage, about the religious liberties, about all the things that makes America exceptional. And you might be thinking, as incredible as this information is, I wish there was a way that I could get one of the Wall Builders guys to come to my area and share with my group, whether it be a church, whether it be a Christian school or public school or some political event or activity. If you're interested in having a Wall Builder speaker come to your area, you can get on our website at www.wallbuilders.com and there's a tab for scheduling. And if you'll click on that tab, you'll notice there's a list of information from speakers' bios to events that are already going on. And there's a section where you can request an event to bring this information about who we are, where we came from, our religious liberties and freedoms. Go to the Wall Builders website and bring a speaker to your area. Welcome back to Wall Builders. It's Good News Friday. And I uh, think, let's see, we David snuck another one in right before the break, Tim. So I think we're tossing over to you. <laughs> well, I, I'll take it. Uh, I, I, I don't know that, that officially that was the count, but I'm going to take it uh, <laughs> because there definitely are some I want to get to. So uh, this one is from Plano ISD, the Plano Independent School District. That's from the Dallas-ish area. For those who don't live in Texas, if you live in Texas and if you live in the Dallas-Fourth area, there might be people being skeptical, being like, wait a second, Plano's not really Dallas. I get it. But we're helping people that are not from the area know generally it's in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And the headline says, parents successfully pressure Plano ISD to remove sexually explicit books. This is one of those incredible stories where uh, we saw parents show up to a school board meeting uh, where parents got involved, where parents found out what was going on. Uh, the, the article says in an email Wednesday, the district finally responded to parents requested 67 titles containing graphic sex and other inappropriate content be reconsidered for removal. Now, also, let's point out that parents found 67 books containing graphic sex and other inappropriate content. And this is something we've talked about on this program before. A lot of times people look and they think, man, these inner cities, you know, it's crazy what's in their libraries. This is not just an inner city problem. This is a a public library problem. And, and also worth pointing out, this is not just a public school problem anymore. This is even a public library in the town, in the community. There's so many of these librarian kind of association affiliations, the, the, the ideology that they are buying into is promoting so much of the sexualization of the rising generation. And this is content that is all over library shelves in public libraries and in public school libraries. But the good news is there was a grassroots organization, Citizens Defending Freedom, and they help Plano families uh, raising awareness. Yeah, and that's our friends over there. That's uh, you know that's Steve Maxwell and these guys that we've been working with with Liberty Pastors, and they're good folks out of Florida that have really been investing in Texas and helping to train a lot of grassroots. And they're all doing biblical citizenship, by the way, all those Citizens Defending Freedom folks. It is awesome. Uh, so what they identified is – uh, of these, there, there were 64 of the 67 explicit titles in question uh, that were identified for removal and, and identified by Citizens Defending Freedom, uh, helping them come in and see what was there. Uh, the, the article is through, the article is a couple pages, uh, and it identifies some moms, school board members having the conversation. Um, but the, the short of it is, Plano says that they will now work, or excuse me, they will continue to work with uh, the remainder of our collections to identify any other titles for which availability should be adjusted as a result of the updates to our procedure. So uh, they, bottom line is they ended up changing their procedure, saying that we recognize some of these are not appropriate for certain ages. 
Uh, now, we would say they're not appropriate for any kids in school. That's not the point and purpose of school. And certainly from us, looking back at the historical idea of why did schools begin in the first place, you can go back to the pilgrims. Uh, the, the very first education law passed in early America, passed up in Connecticut in 1647, or is the Old Deluder Satan Act or the Old Deluder Satan Law, where the law identified that the primary purpose of the devil was to keep men from the knowledge of scriptures as in former times when people couldn't read and the Bible was in unknown languages, but now we can read the Bible. And so we need to make sure that we can read so that our kids know the Bible. Like that was the whole point of education was helping kids be able to read so they would know the Bible. Certainly not to sexualize a rising generation and have them reject truth, reject morality and basic biblical standards and decency. So this is a big win from a really large school district in Texas, Plano ISD. All right, David, we get time for one more quick one, brother. Go ahead. I got to get this one in. I've been holding it for a couple of weeks because there's so many other stories. I got to get this in. It happened a couple of weeks ago at the World Series. So the World Series, Texas Rangers won first ever World Series. And I've got to admit that within with, with probably two months to go in the season, I wasn't listening to Rangers games at all, wasn't paying any attention to them at all. And then I saw a post that Texas Rangers are the only professional baseball team who has never had a pride night. And I thought, now, wait a minute, I can support that. I, I can That's support right. a team not being woke. And, and, you know, as I got into the team and watched them the last couple of months, they were a blast to watch. But I was really struck by how many faith people there were on the team. And so they end up winning the World Series in five games and, and did it really convincingly. And so just just going through here, um, Tony Beasley, who's one of the Ranger coaches, he said, anyone who interviews me or gives me an opportunity to speak, God's going to receive the glory. Uh, Evan Carter, who was the guy called up from double A and was such a powerhouse in, in the in the whole playoffs. Uh, he wore a Jesus one T-shirt and, and rookie Josh Young's another one who wore a Jesus one T-shirt. He said, I'm a competitor for Christ. And, and so these guys in, in interviews throughout the year and even leading up to playoffs and in the playoffs, you would find them in media wearing T-shirts that said Jesus. Just one, openly acknowledging their faith in Christ, not running from that. And, and that boldness of faith, that's really refreshing to see at that level from those guys who get that much money and could do all sorts of stuff uh, to acknowledge Christ is a really good deal. It's an example for every one of us. Every one of us need to acknowledge Christ. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, God says, in all your ways, acknowledge me and I'll direct your paths. So it's just a good word for all of us at the grocery store, at the gas station, at school, at work, wherever. Remember to acknowledge God. And I appreciate the Rangers for doing that. Uh, it's really fun to be able to get back behind a professional team that has some really good values. Brother, it was good enough that I ended my three-and-a-half-year boycott of MLB over all their Marxist stuff back in with BLM. So, yes, I'm everything you said, dittos from my side over here. All right, folks, thanks so much for listening today. You've been listening to Wall Builders. More good news for you next week. We stand undivided.